1: On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. And as usual, the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today, Steph Nasser, founder of OpenVC, a platform for entrepreneurs to be more easily connected with venture capitalists. Steph's first job out of business school in Paris was at a Microsoft startup accelerator. Like so many entrepreneurs, he saw where something was needed. In this case, it was a comprehensive database of venture capital firms that entrepreneurs could search to find potential matches for their funding needs. Surprised that it didn't already exist, he set out to build it. Still in its early stages, OpenVC is already making a mark by building its database, filtering out the quote-unquote noise, and also offering education for entrepreneurs. They have started hosting roasts, where several founders pitch their ideas and get roasted, quote-unquote, giving them feedback on how they could do better. Steph believes that the old way of getting funded is changing. He sees younger VC managers being more open to using technology to connect as opposed to the old way of just going through introductions and warm intros, etc. OpenVC is on the road to becoming a powerful tool to do just that. Now, let's get better together. Steph from OpenVC, welcome to
2: the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being on the on the pod. We've been trying to get this together for uh, what seems like a couple of months. Uh, as usual, that sometimes happens when I'm in California and you're somewhere in Europe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling guilty here.
1: Yeah, I don't feel guilty. I mean, man, I'm just happy you're on the show. We actually got introduced through Sean Gold, who was the 100th episode of the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. And I just dropped the 200th episode yesterday, so Sean, thank you for being 100. And uh, now I'm on to 200, 201, 202. So super thrilled to have you on the show. Um, You're the founder of OpenVC. We're going to talk a lot about that. Everyone knows I'm a big fan of entrepreneurs funding. Done some, you know, angel investing myself. Advise people. So I'm really fascinated on what you guys are doing. How to dig into this. What is you know what is OpenBC and why why is it uh, important? But before we get started on all that, as I always like to say, tell us how you got to do what you do in today.
2: Uh, well, I get to do it like I guess a lot of other entrepreneurs just uh, scratching my own itch. Is that how you say it in English? Yeah, that so, is yes. That's the word. Yes, that's yes. correct. Good good. Uh, So my first job out of business school was uh, in a startup accelerator at a Microsoft accelerator in Paris. And at the time I was on the receiving end of a deal flow that was humongous because it's Microsoft and it's an accelerator and we didn't take any equity. So, you know, it was like, uh, and I was the the one guy that they put in front of that and said, okay, filter this out. And on the other hand, we had our own batch of startups and we're trying to help them get funding you know and and i noticed that they all had their little spreadsheets you know each on their own laptop in the co-working space uh listing down and researching the same VC online and and i felt this was kind of inefficient and i'm a person uh I, i like to say that i'm efficient my wife would say i'm a robot uh but i i guess it's the same idea um so it was like okay, we should have a kind of collaborative VC list. And that was the starting point. Collaborative VC list. Uh tried to hack something together five, it was like seven years ago. Uh I didn't have the tools. And then came Airtable. And I don't know if you know Airtable. I'm sure oh, yeah. familiar, familiar with Airtable. Yeah, it's a great tool. And uh and so two years ago I started like resurrecting that project, putting a list together, uh, then I found my co-founder uh, Lucas. Uh, Um, And uh, we kind of built a a way for people to update, collaborate, interact on on that VC list. And, you know, organically out of nowhere, like uh, OpenVC was born.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. So really, do you think it was the you were just trying to pull together all this VC information
2: that all these accelerator guys were Type it in spreadsheets. Yeah, is that- yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you if you're a founder raising fund, if you have been in this position, or if you have helped founders raising funds, uh, there is no front door to venture capital, right? No. You, you either you have intros and that's great, and you should you know use your intros. That's that's the, the name of the game. But then after after that, uh, you're kind of you know googling VCs, searching lists that are usually outdated, or you have to pay for them and they are just scraped lists of lists. So it's kind of, um, it's, it's a really bad experience. And I was surprised actually that there was not an existing product where you could just, you know, type in, okay, I'm a fintech startup in Germany. I'm pro-revenue. Uh, I'm raising 500K. Uh, who invests in that? Right. And that, that seemed obvious. You know, there's Google flights, there is, Flight, there is uh, I don't know, Wallet for financial products and you don't have something like that for venture capital. Uh, and it didn't seem so hard to build. So that's maybe where I was a bit wrong, but you know, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize at the time, so I just went, went uh, with it. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, it was really this need of uh, just targeting efficiently, not wasting time uh, browsing around. And, and I was also kind of angry. I mean, have you recently been to any VC website? They're I all have. the same. Yeah, they're all the same, yeah. right? Yeah. We back. Uh, what is it like? Uh, world-class founders uh, working on groundbreaking technology. Yeah. Addressing massive markets. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Their like, marketing, their messaging, and positioning is pretty horrible. Exactly. Like, how does that help me? How do I know if you're the right guy? Uh, the right guy should speak to. He does So, Yeah, so yeah that, that's that's where it came from. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's
1: a. There's a tool I've worked with called Founders Suite. I think it's called Founders Suite. Mm -hmm. And um, it was, uh, I found out about it. I I think I was on his podcast. I think it was guest number five or something. And then he, I met him through Founders Network, which that's where I met Sean. Uh, He was in Founders Network as well. And the thing, yes, that was really always frustrating about VC, which is still the case today, is that match like I'm, I'm i don't want to waste your time and you don't want to waste my time how are we going to figure out who's the right match and exactly. and and normally it's oh i know
2: this guy i know a guy right um yeah yeah and, and and i mean this this used to work and it's still the status quo today because for a long time VC has been a, a local business it has been a neighborhood business you know there was this one hour rule right you were supposed to invest within one hour of your uh, of your firm's office because otherwise you you know don't so but now today with remote work with um, with COVID, with all those things uh, it's not like that anymore uh, the demand is fragmented and the supply is also more and more fragmented fewer and fewer VCS you know are in like San Francisco or Palo Alto or uh, something road and so it makes sense. I think this kind of tool is kind of like openVC. I mean, if it's not me somebody else would have built it because it's just a thing that makes sense considering the the underlying trends that we're seeing. In, you're gonna need a tool to to browse and parse the venture capital supply, you know just like you parse uh, you know the flights or or any other product today.
1: Yeah, I mean it's kind of like the equivalent of crunchbase, right? I mean I'm sure. You've heard of Crunchbase, everyone has. You know, sure. Anytime yeah. you kind of, if you're a B2B SaaS company, you sort of live in Crunchbase to figure out who you're going to, yeah. you know, market to. And, and, and,
2: yeah, and, and I think the, the, the components of Crunchbase is interesting because they are really, what I would say, a data play, right? They try to have as many data points as possible. When what we do is we try to be a, a deal flow play. So what we do is we try to generate <coughs> deal flow. And through OpenVC, Founders cannot only, you know, browse uh, VC firms, so they can also reach out to them. Uh, 75% of firms on on OpenVC accept cold emails and cold cold outreach. And we do filter uh, and filter out the bad submissions to ensure that we're not a kind of spam factory. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, I would say that's the main difference. We don't have as many firms, uh, but the ones we have, they are actively seeking deep flow. And and they make it easy for founders to find them and to reach out to them. So that's wow. that's wow. a difference.
1: And so you you also said you kind of curated. How, how, do, you, how do you how do you go about yes. doing that?
2: So it's a manual uh, work, uh, but we've uh, built two tools for ourselves, internal tools, to do that very quickly. So basically, when a founder submits, uh, you know, an email through OpenVC to a VC of his choice. Uh, we're gonna kind of check that email quickly, look at it and check the pitch deck as well, and just kind of validate it or reject it uh based on kind of pattern matching you know you, you know very quickly like if the email is like ten kilometers long, no numbers just words 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 uh if the pitch deck is is ugly and you know doesn't follow i mean you've you know, you see crazy stuff. And so, and you see crazy people. <laughs> That's behind the crazy documents are crazy. Typically,
1: you are correct.
2: Yes. So, uh, you know, we say there's no, you don't need a license to be a parent. And you don't need a license to be a, an entrepreneur either, uh, which is, I don't know. I don't know if it's for the better. Uh, but the thing is, if we want VCs to take our digital seriously, we need to do that filtering job, so it's not fun. Uh, but now we, I think, we got it to almost to a science. And uh, when we reject the project, we always provide feedback. When we reject the submission, we say, "Okay, so look, A, B, C. This is what you can improve. Maybe it's the wording. Maybe it's the design. Maybe uh, you know, this guy invests in Germany. You're based in Hong Kong. Doesn't make any sense. Stop wasting everybody's time." Uh, and and we've also automated that part. So we are kind of doing the. I, I tend to say we we are the sewage system of uh of these email boxes, uh, and it's job nobody wants to do. Uh, but I think it's it's also a, a valuable job, the, job. Yeah, you're then. the
1: gar- the garbage man and the sewer worker.
2: Yes, you <laughs> are the garbage man. But uh, it's everyone needs robot.
1: a garbage man. The world ends when
2: the garbage man does not pick the garbage up. Uh, so the first, that's completely true, and second. Uh, if you are capable of doing that garbage work at scale, which is what we're like working towards, then uh, you can you, uh, you enable VCs to to look beyond just interest. And, and I think it's kind of the core of that whole thing. Uh, VCs today they work for intros because it's a good proxy for quality, and they don't have time, and they don't have the, the the tools and the processes to to address uh, like massive scales of, of deal flow. But for us, we we're kind of building that first layer that will allow them to, to kind of get of that bottleneck of screening and, and just receive what's relevant for them in terms of scope, in terms of quality, in terms of geography, in terms of uh, verticals, industry, stage. You know, there are so many criteria and we're capable of making sure that what lands in your mailbox on average is once a week, right? So it's not that much, but it's going to be a strong fit.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point because uh, you know all the VCs I know, you know each associate, right? It, they get at least two thousand pitches a year. I mean minimum, right? And so the way I'd always, the way they always told me is that we get two thousand a year. We take two hundred meetings. We do diligence on twenty, and we invest in two. Is like you're so you're point one percent, right? Of of, of the deal flow. And so each, and of course, each, you know, partner in the firm's got to do that every year they got to do at least two deals. And so, I mean, that's a really crappy odd. That must mean that their input has got to be pretty horrible because, you know, I, 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 I mean, what's really interesting about what you're trying to do is I I have this theory. It's my hypothesis. My hypothesis is, as long as you hit the standard of a company, a startup or whatever, if you hit the standard above this, and the standard is, I'm not, you probably know more about it than I do, but I just had a standard. If you hit above the standard, then it's a random number if you're going to be successful. Like you can literally pull balls out of an urn and it's like, yeah. Yeah. but you have to hit above the standard. You have to hit the standard. N- none, none of, you know, all these VCs are like, oh yeah, we're smarter. No, I don't agree because it's a numbers game. It's okay. always been a numbers game, but I agree there's a standard. If to your point, you have some wacky pitch, like when you guys did that uh, pitch pitch competition a couple of days ago, Detroit, maybe yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. And that one pitch you showed that was not formatted right. It had all these words. The words were all in different places. And okay. I'm just looking at this going, this is insane. Is that typically what you guys see? Or I mean, I, I, okay. so. I'd love to know the numbers on how many make it past your screen and what are
2: some of the okay. things people
1: can do, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: I can, okay, I can tell you that. So uh, I think in, uh, it was April or May. So I mean, the numbers, okay, let's say we're seeing on average 300 pitch decks a month uh, and we approve half of them, meaning wow. half of them, we let them through. Uh, we have been very cautious where we communicate about OpenVC we're not trying to go too big too fast because our uh, screening process is not fully scalable yet. And uh, so we, a lot of the, the deal we receive is uh, kind of good founders, sharing with good founders kind of stuff. Uh, and sometimes from very remote places. Ah, once we had an incredibly good pool, like four or five deals suddenly from Pakistan, out of all places uh, but really solid stuff like the guys are strong numbers uh solid teams you know uh, everything seems legit and it just ended up in some like kind of closed whatsapp group in pakistan and the guys shared with each other so that's kind of how we we go around that that issue for now i expect that as we go uh bigger uh, the the proportion you know of, of bad stuff is going to increase, but that's that's predictable and that's normal. Uh, we're taking on ourselves the this kind of VC screening job, so yeah. What and you, and what we what see what all sorts of so we rarely have like truly crazy people. Uh, we usually categorize like three or four layers. You know, you have at the very bottom. What we call the shit flow, it's the kind of you know guys you cannot, I mean you cannot help them. But it's it's quite rare, I'll be honest. In the in the middle, you have those guys that have something interesting. You see that they put in the effort, they kind of trying their best. But some most of them they don't have the code, right? Like they don't. It's first time founders. They maybe they are fresh out of business school, uh, so they're gonna give you this you know uh, matrix. How do we call uh, Swot uh, matrix. Yeah. You know yeah uh and and it feels a bit like homework a pitch deck uh like you know they say, but it's it's you know it's okay we're here to help so we put up a website we have we kind of like break down you know what the standards are etc cetera, etc cetera. uh by the way very soon we're gonna have a kind of fundability assessment online that a farmers can take it's gonna be super fun it's gonna go from you know unicorn so you're gonna just enter like you're going to answer painful questions about your business. And I I just finished designing that like three days ago. And, uh, and then at the end, you're going to get a a ranking from unicorn material to the struggle is real. Right. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And so, because there is, um, part of our job is awareness, like making people aware of, you know, uh, I didn't say that their baby's ugly. Nobody likes to see that their baby's ugly, but you know, most babies are ugly and, and we try to let them realize that, okay, you're probably not going to race with Sequoia and maybe you're going to need to, you know, speak with some angels or maybe family and friends, or maybe, you know, bootstrap a little longer, try to get a bit of traction. So that's the, the kind, of, kind of middle of the pack type of uh, deals. And then we have some AAA deals. Uh, some stuff we have, I don't know, uh, right now We'd say three, four per week where I don't know. Like how those guys found us it's like they tick all the boxes you know exited founders 40 percent month of a month's growth uh one million plus IRR, uh already lead secured 50 percent of the around this field they're just reaching out to a couple of, of funds that they don't know to, to fill the round strategic investors stuff like that and um, so it's all over the place and we try to route them properly and make sure that you know they end up in the in the right uh, mailboxes basically
1: Cool, cool. So so as time goes on, my guess is you'll be obviously building your algorithms and kind of automating the manual process. Or, are you looking to do the normal you know, machine learning, AI, buzzword bingo, everyone's got AI and machine learning in their name, but basically that's all they do about it. But it seems to me, again, back to my premise, my hypothesis about being over the standard that just seems like it's eventually gonna happen. I mean, what's interesting is there's this great fun, this great person I know, um, Elizabeth Yin over at the Hustle Fund. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar, right? And she literally was on Twitter saying, I've got thousands of decks I've got to go through, and I cannot do this in a good way. And I'm just thinking, well, you need to automate that because I mean, you know, right so if you've never entered, if you've never talked to her, you should definitely talk to her. She's, she's great. She's She was at 500 Startups when I was there. And that was my first meeting at 500 Startups was with her. The reason why we got into Batch 14 was because she introduced us to Marvin Liao, who was the San Francisco guy, right? And I'm just like, this is amazing. And the entire reason why I met Elizabeth Yin was because my wife at the time, Jane, who's now my, my late wife, she died. Five and a half years ago from from leukemia. Jane reached out to Elizabeth because they had the same last name. (laughs) So when anyone ever says to you, oh, you know, I can't hit, I can't reach someone. How do I do that? Just so you know, it's as simple as we have the same last name. That's that's Jane and Yeah, that's it. That is like, and and again, like she's trying to solve this problem, hustle VC for sure. Or the
2: hustle fund, sorry. So that's, yeah. Uh, so, she, I think she's a uh, dunk 33 on Twitter. Yes, she is. Yeah. Yep, she's awesome. Yeah, we exchanged a few tweets. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I think, um, so, so okay. So, just now we, you know, we kind of segmented deal flow, but we could also segment VC. That's interesting. And the way they approach deal flow, and, you know, a lot of them, they're still kind of the old school way, you know, intros, and if I... I get an intro you top of the pile I'm going to look at you like more closely or maybe I only accept intros like I remember some 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 guy who's quite famous uh, but I think he changed his mind changed his opinion on the topic so I'm not going to uh, name him but who published a paper that's still online said I only accept one intro and if you cannot get a one intro uh, basically you're not good enough to be a founder uh, yeah google it yeah uh, <laughs> So anyway, um, and then you have VCs who try to start setting up some processes and tools, you know, uh, CRM, uh, analysts, this kind of stuff uh, to look at inbound or some even go one step further and and actively reach out. You know, if you're uh, on LinkedIn, uh, starting something new or stealth startup most likely you're going to get a couple of uh, inboxes from, from VC analysts. So it's kind of the different layers. And the last layer is the people trying to go like full like full power on this um, and building in-house uh, technology to screen uh, deep flow effectively. Uh, sometimes it relies on pitch deck analysis. Sometimes it relies on founder analysis. You know, looking at their uh, LinkedIn, their Twitter, I know some guys doing interesting work, trying to basically map people's influence and power per vertical using only social network. And I think it's a good proxy for success. It's a big topic. it's technical, nobody has cracked that yet as far as I know uh, or, or, or we would know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there is definitely something. and I think what we're also trying to do is openBC I mean it's kind of building the, the pipelines that will allow us to collect all those data points and and then later on you know maybe once the technology is mature, we can just plug it onto our database and and run it and, and, and leverage that to to make better investment decisions or to advise VCs or filter, as you said. Yeah. Uh, for now, we're a very small team, we're two, I mean, two, 2.5, uh, working uh, kind of full-time, not really full-time because we have to pay the bills. You know? um, and so, for now, we cannot build AI stuff, uh, although my co-founder would love that because he does this kind of thing, uh, but now we're being very, very practical, very, very lean. And so uh, it's a uh, manual work and uh, it's just an Airtable. Oh, by the way, like 80% of the product is Airtable. <laughs> like we really still today, still with all the volumes we process, we have like 1,200 plus VC firms on the platform. Uh, we shoot thousands of emails per week uh, to all those VCs uh, and still work on Airtable. So.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Airtable, the whole no code, low code movement is in my opinion, again, my other hypothesis is that products democratize and you can build anything. I mean, I fully believe that. I mean, I, you know, I'm biased because I used to build stuff for a living and I know you can build anything full stop. Right. And it's all about the marketing and awareness and telling the story. And what's super interesting about what you're doing at open VC is there's another, there's a company in the financial services industry called discovery data. And they basically collect data on financial, uh, financial planners, financial advisors, and what they call deal flow. And, and it's all regulated. So it's all public. Right. And discovery data, what they are trying to do is, so if you're an asset manager, mm-hmm. which means you're a BlackRock, rock Vanguard or whatever, and you're like, I need to sell my new products. or I need to build new products to sell the financial advisors, to sell the people like me or like you, like, they need to know deal flow they actually need to know where the money's flowing and you know and so it's the same it's somewhat adjacent to what vc do and i'm sure there's databases where deal flow you can see deal flow and everything but what's so funny about what they're trying to do which is what you're trying to do for vc is how do i build tools to get actually better insights into the data And so that I can make this interaction more efficient, I can make it more valuable, I can market to them, I can, you know, what are they thinking about? What are the trends? What are the topics they're talking about? Because in VC land, it's all about what's the big, you know, depending on their thesis, what's the market movement? Is it, oh, everyone's an AI machine learning company, okay? I just want to invest in AI and machine learning or blockchain or NFT or digital health or buzzword bingo, whatever you want to talk about, Right. And that matters because if you're pitching someone and they're like, what are you pitching me for? Right. But I love the idea of standards and really educating people to make them better entrepreneurs by focusing on their pitch and their story. Um, And so are you guys planning on doing more educational? Like, I mean, how, how do you, how do you educate that group of people to build better pitches
2: uh, so, uh, okay, uh, so first the, the, I think the first thing is you don't educate everybody. Uh, there are those who don't need to be educated, you know, uh, some founders who like no better than I know, and I'm, I'm the, my, I want to identify them and get out of their way as fast as possible, right? So that's number one. Then there are those that don't want to be educated. Uh, and and honestly, it's usually the, the worst ones, the ones that are not coachable and uh, they are sure that they have the, you know, been on the right idea because usually that's all they have. They don't have a product, they don't have a team, they just have an idea and uh, any feedback, you know, is uh, it's going to be rejected. And so you're left with the middle of the pack, those guys we talked about earlier. Um, and the challenge for us how do we educate them at scale? Uh, and so we try to do that with different formats. So we have a blog, right? And we try to publish playbooks. So the content we have, you'll see, is usually how to, how to, uh, you know, how do investors assess startups, how to write a great pitch deck. Uh, examples, you know, uh, we have a uh, small tools like where you can research other pitch decks, research, we have a database of cold emails. So we basically try to explain and then show. We explain, we show, okay, these are the 10 steps. And this is what it looks like once you follow the 10 steps. Uh, and now I think we're trying to do something more fun. So you mentioned the, the, the roasts that we, we run now uh, every month. So the idea is, okay, we tell you, uh, we show you, and then we're going to roast it live for you. So we're going to bring five pitch decks uh, one VC in the room and uh, and we're just going to you know, tear it down and explain everything that's wrong because that's usually how people learn and by the way, those five people that we roasted for the first time uh, last week they reached out to me so they were consenting of course but they didn't know exactly what to expect and all of them said that this was a very helpful experience and thank you, although it was not pleasant but it was helpful
1: I mean, so, sometimes you need that tough love. I mean, the yeah. best. So when I was in 500 startups from one of my digital health companies, we were in batch 14. This is like back in 2014. So was a long time ago. And this was like at the heyday, like people are just throwing money around like it's nothing, especially, well, not like it's nothing. It's still, we had to raise money, right? But we got into 500 startups and I mentioned Marvin Liao was the, the main investor at San Francisco office. Elizabeth was down in Mountain View. Marvin was up in San Francisco, and he's pretty straightforward in your face. He doesn't really pull punches, so he will definitely tell you your baby's ugly. And some people couldn't handle the truth on that because I mean, he's like he's seen four hundred deals. Like he knows who he knows what, what success looks like. And I just remember we'd have these pitch deck practices like the whole thing is leading up to demo day which everyone knows right. Every week we'd have a pitch practice every and this was back when I drank. I don't drink alcohol anymore but we would if we screwed up we'd have to drink Marvin's punch. Which was painful to drink. It was alcohol and sriracha. It was horrible. And you had to and if you screwed up and and he did, again, he did not, And we would just sit there and drink this stuff and just get worse and worse, right? But the thing that I always appreciated with about him, and to this day, I still try to have lunch with them or at least coffee or tea or something, at least uh, regularly, is because his insights were just so valuable. And if you wanted to hear it, then you really could learn a lot. And I think this is what you guys are trying to do at OpenVC. And that's why I like the roasting. I mean, you know, Sean's a great like MC, but you know, you were doing a good job too. You're like, well, how how my how how bad should I have to go down? Because yeah. some of them were really bad, like really bad. And I'm glad they reached out and said it was beneficial because you guys did a fantastic job. Really okay. did. Like it was it was entertaining and educational, which is great.
2: Well, that that was a goal. That was a goal. So I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned this. Uh and, and now I'm putting two enter together. Either, but you, you've you been through 500 startups and you mentioned earlier that past a certain point of quality, you know, it's a game of number. And and I think this is probably something that they tell you at 500. Is that correct? Because I know it's kind of their... their um, approach, that's their right? shtick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this was back when uh, Dave McClure was
1: still there, right? This was before yeah. his whole... I know, creed, that's why. Right? right? And I, re- I remember, this is my, my favorite Dave McClure story. This I mean, I looked up to the guy, like he was... Five hundred startups was doing more diversity investments, more women, and uh, like really, like his thesis was: I'm going to get you at the seed stage. I'm going to put a little money into you. I'm going to accelerate you for these three months, and we're just going to exit, right? And I'm a numbers game, an absolute numbers game, and he was pretty upfront about it. And I agree with him on that. And but you know, he of course he was a PayPal mafia guy. You know, got lucky (laughs) like they all did. Like who would have known, right? But okay, I respect that. And I remember the first night we all get there and he's like, everyone, and this was at night, this was after hours. Like every one of you is going to pitch me in a minute, what you do. Every single one of you, we're going to go through every one and I'm going to critique you on the spot now like that. We did not know this was going to happen. This is like week one. (laughs) And I'm like, just please don't pick me first. (laughs) Because, I mean, I'm the guy that's going to go up and do this because that was my, you know, I was the COO and the co-founder and like, Jari, you you pitch, right? Because I was the pitch guy. And I just remember him giving like great advice, like own your numbers, even if they're crappy, you know, energy, don't like over tech it. I don't care. He's like, I don't care about the tech. I care about you. Right. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, three or four people go up and he just crushed them. Like, oh man, I don't want to go up there. This is like, you know, he's... Back then, this is the guy. This is the rainmaker. This is the PayPal mafia guy walking around in his flip flops and his t shirt. I mean, this guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He put money into my company. He's going to ask me, Hey, Jari, pitch me. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Right. And I remember going up there and he's like, You got to own it. And I said, Okay, I'll own it. Right. And the thing I re- realized is, I'm just going to tell the truth. One of the things about pitch, like, Tell the truth, the numbers. Make sure it's right. And our 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 monthly recurring revenue was just horseshit. It was like five hundred and forty five dollars and thirty eight cents. I mean, right? So I said, okay, tell the truth and own it. <laughs> Go up there, and I said, and we're crushing it. We have five hundred forty three dollars and fifty six cents in recurring revenue. And we're just going to rule the world. And Dave's like, thank you, and gives me a high five. <laughs> and I'm like, thank God that's over. But to your point, what you guys did in that show, which was awesome, the roast, and I think you know the intent of OpenVC, you need that feat. Like, this is a hard job. This is not easy. And if you're not willing to take that constructive criticism and get over the bar, you're doomed. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and yeah. I just I think the more the more cycles you have, the better. And I'm just curious. Yeah. How do you see it evolving? I mean, you know, you're based in Europe and, you know, VC, as you mentioned, is
2: now global. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think? What do you think the future holds? Oh, that's uh, a big question. Uh, I don't have an answer to be honest. I don't want you know, all, all I can do is kind of repeat what I've read in the past two weeks. <laughs> and uh, you know, there is always a new article about the future of VC, the future of, so, you know, I'm not gonna uh, be a smart ass and just, you know, uh, repeats what other people have said better before. Um, I I can honestly I don't really see. I I what I well I can tell what I personally see from my yeah. very small window, um, and and it's also a personal belief um, that um, emerging managers, uh, emerging so new VCs, you know, the, the new generation does uh, things differently uh, among all the vcs that i have on my platform you know uh, they are definitely the most active the most willing to try new stuff uh the most and most importantly they really have a kind of first principle approach to that mm. business you know where other vcs say okay you know what i do warm intros because that's how i've always done uh, this new generation is more like Okay, you know what? Okay, but what if I could, you know, 30% process 10,000 decks? 10,000 decks. 10,000 decks a year. Love it. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> what if I process 10,000 decks a year? Uh, what if I had the tools? So they, they don't start from the limitations because they haven't been in the business long enough and they are tech savvy. You know, and and because of those two things, they can take a different take a different approach. And most of them have been operators before, right? Mm, They've had a an exit or something, so they they know they are not like former bankers. Like half of the, the you know, especially the old generation of VCs in Europe, they're like former bankers or people who come from the PE world. And beyond that, uh, venture capital has this you know uh, pyramidal structure with junior and senior, which you find in consulting, which you find in law. Which is you the worst
1: financial services all the time. Yeah. Over, yeah.
2: and it's it's a worst structure when you want to, to 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 bring in innovation and and you know digital and digitization because usually what happens that the people who feel the pain point of the junior people, the people who can buy the solution of the senior and they don't care because they they haven't been get they haven't gotten their hands dirty <sighs> for the past you know ten years, and if. You know, we tell them something, say, hey, that's a junior's job, right? And they will always prefer paying a junior uh, person who can also bring the coffee and you know, increase the team size and their ego size, rather than you know, looking into a new tool, uh, AI, CRM, whatever screenings technology uh, is available. And uh, and by contrast, the emerging managers they love looking into tools to increase their productivity because most of them they are one man army. They want to keep it that way. They don't have much in terms of management fee, so they're forced to innovate, innovate within the business of venture capital, including tools, including processes, including all that stuff. And um, and I would I would bet. I mean, there is some study showing you know the uh, funds like. Uh, how do you say like younger vintages like one to three bring the highest uh, you know high shield yeah mm-hmm. uh cool. and and i think this is gonna be increased now because we have those people who are really not playing by the rules of the game uh, they can be based yeah. anywhere in the world they are active online they have very strong online presence uh, you mentioned elizabethine so she's uh, I, I don't know what category she belongs to. I don't know her in, well enough to, to put a label on her. Um, I but, mean, the uh, hustle fund is, yeah, it's, I think it's early stage. yeah. But um, I, I I, would bet that she's uh, among those people, you know, who understand that if you have a very strong online brand, you're going to track a lot, of, a lot of the flow. And if in the, on the back office, you have the technical cap- capabilities to screen uh, efficiently and and. You know the problem of venture capital is noise, right? There's too much noise, not enough signal. And the signal is so weak. Yep. So if you can cut through the noise, uh, and that's humbly what we're trying to do, you know, at our own level, uh, then you can you can achieve things that people could not achieve before. And so you can approach the business in a completely renewed manner. And That's my answer to your question. What's the future?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and I know you you don't want to predict the future, but I do think you're right because we see this in financial services, mainline financial services. The FinTech revolution is upending the traditional financial services model. Now, not yet, and there's some things that may or may not happen, but it's coming, and it's exactly the reason why you said the next generation of financial planners, financial advisors, they're like, "Why is this not more efficient? Why, you know, I, why can't I use a tool for that? There's, there's a tool for that. Is the way I put it is, there's got to be a tool for that,
2: and there's well, an app for that. Yeah, or there's an app for that, right? Even better, right?
1: There's an app for that. That's not for me, <laughs> right, right, right. But you know what I mean? No. It, it, and, and that's they're true because the thing that I've always found. And I'd love your thoughts on this. The thing I've always found is that most of the time, 80% of what you do is pretty much a framework or like it's the same. Uh, maybe maybe the numbers aren't exact right. It's the 20% of the creativity that's really the differentiator. And so why would I waste my time on the non-differentiated stuff? Why don't I just automate the heck out of that so that I can really focus on that 20% where I add the value? And I see this constantly in, this, in what I'm doing with this new job. Constantly, I'm just like looking at this going... 80% of this is the same. It's 20% percent we got to worry about. I need to automate. I need to make
2: processes for that other 80%. It's just obvious to me. Okay. Now, just a thought. What if actually you didn't need to be creative or differentiated to succeed in venture capital? What if, as you said, all that matters is massive deal flow, spray and pray, you know, kind of like anything that passes a certain level you want to see everything invest in everything and of course we enter in like portfolio construction and you know there are different models and different kind of uh, school of thoughts um, so Dave McClure and some people are more like you know high volume uh, small tickets and yeah. other people we have a, a, a blog post on that by a fund of funds and yeah. they take a, a, the opposite approach right they are like concentrated bets uh, so you know, to each their own. Yeah. Um, but uh, in that case, you know, what's the what's the high-value creative approach that the VC should take? So, um, what's the use? Can we automate that? Uh, a bit like, uh, and, and I'm being a bit, you know, uh, iconoclast, I'm not sure a lot of people will, will like that because yeah. for a long time the VC, like the banker, you know, they were... Uh, people of significance and i'm wondering as we move forward if uh it's not going to become more fragmented more anonymous more automated and you're going to lose the 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 kind of uh how do you say the kind of nobility of of belonging to that to that uh you know upper class uh, yeah just like yeah. a banker, you know in the past you needed to go see a yeah. banker in the retail uh, in the yeah in the store in the office now you do everything online with an app
1: yeah i mean that's that's fintech right I mean that's yeah. the start of it's fintech I mean look at all of the you know meme stocks right like Wall Street bets on reddit classic example of oh this is kind of a Ponzi scheme overall right i mean w- w- when you really understand how they move the market you're kind of like that's it. That's all it takes. And you're like, yeah, that's why there's regulations. <laughs> and I think the same thing will be with VC. I mean, I, I personally think it's more, and I, I like your point on that. I disagree to a certain, certain point. I think you're still going to need the creativity on how to place the bets, but I think getting rid of more noise and built boosting that signal through tools and automation so that you can think about, do I want to make this bet in this market or? Am I like, no, I'm done. Or, you know, you literally just have a bot screen them and then they're like, good, you're good to go. We'll wire the money. And it's (laughs) literally like, I'm just going to invest in the world, which is interesting if you have enough money.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of a a thing, of course, you know, working on OpenVC that I I think about, uh, uh, not short term, of course, but, you know, think a bit of directions. um, Can you turn make VC venture capital a product, basically, you know, put a fund Interesting. on the pilot, you know, because I, I personally, I don't want to start a fund or anything like that. I don't have any interest in that. It's, it's a job that I, I think is difficult and, uh, I would not probably enjoy much. I prefer building products. You know, you should know where you're good at. And that. yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, if I could say, okay, so let's let the, challenges, let's make venture capital a product, and and I have the the input, I have the data. How how far can we take this? And and that's you know that's cool. And then because we have to have a global digital, because we cover all industries from you know SaaS like B two B SaaS to like exotic uh, biotech and stuff, you could you know index the, the market and and do uh, a lot of uh, of cool stuff. Wow. Uh, and then you could even add a layer of tokenization on top of that and blockchain. So there are a lot of perspectives. I think we're just at the we're just scratching the surface of, of what's possible.
1: Yeah. But I don't know.
2: Like the I don't know. Like I try to combine things in my head. And yeah. I, I like you know this kind of, of thinking, and I just yeah. cannot get an answer. I just keep moving forward, speaking with people, gathering insights. And uh, I'm still. I love it. I don't see the full picture yet.
1: That's great, though. But I mean, so many, so many things in life are that's the way it goes until you see it. So, yeah. Steph, appreciate your time, man. I'm glad we finally ah. got to connect. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sean, for introducing us. Love what you guys are doing at OpenBC. Love the roast. Uh, please keep on doing it. Just please, 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 Thanks. please, because it's Jerry. so valuable and so entertaining. And finally, makes it a little more fun because <laughs> some of this stuff is so boring. It's like, wah, 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 you know, I mean, and Sean's got as a character anyway. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. his stick, I right? Mean, that's his is, stick. Yeah. And he's a great guy. And I just really appreciate what you guys are doing. And uh, thanks again for being on the show. Glad we could make it happen. And uh, thanks, Thanks for having That's great. Thanks so much, Steph, for being on the show. Uh, really got a lot out of it. I loved actually going to one of the roasts, <laughs> it was super fun. Um, and you know, uh, our mutual friend Sean Gold uh, was sort of the MC or the roastmaster or whatever, and he's always entertaining. So, as promised, here are the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Steph. No one build on your strengths. Steph reflects that he is drawn towards making things more efficient and he prefers to build products. Both these attributes drove him to create the idea and platform for OpenVC. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this a lot, right? Scratch your own itch. Does this really, you know, be more efficient, et cetera, et cetera? I think the cool thing about that is that's the spark of the idea. But you then really got to go validate that this itch that you're scratching is actually a market. (laughs) And you got to go off and, you know, figure that out as quick as you can, right? Because you don't want to waste time and money. So I think the questions to ask yourself when you think, okay, does my does the itch I'm scratching actually become a market? Go try to find 10 customers. Go talk to people that may have the same problem. Look at other companies and see if they're solving this problem too. And are you solving it in a different way? It's usually a good sign. If there's lots of people trying to solve a problem, then there's probably a market. Don't be afraid of automation. As we discussed in the show, creativity only comes in at about 20% of the process. Strive to automate as much of the 80% as you can so you can focus on that 20%. And the more I think about this, the more I work, and the more I do creative endeavors, I am almost absolutely convinced that 80% of the process is a framework or something that's repeatable and that you put your 20% creativity into it. I mean, I've seen this time and time again. Um. I think that's the power of a platform, a process, a framework, a methodology, a sort of outline, if you will, on how you're going to go about doing your creativity. I don't think it's cookie cutter. I don't think it's anything like that. I think you have to write down the process to do the work that doesn't necessarily generate the work. But boy, the more you can do that, just the easier you can focus on creativity. I mean, so ask yourself questions like, if you're doing things over and over again, how can I automate the drudgery? How can I automate the things that are not the creative part? And again, maybe you find it at 70, 30, maybe you find it. It's 50, 50. I think it's 80, <laughs> 20, but that's just me looking for funding. No best practices for pitching. Use resources like OpenVC to help you refine your pitch and don't be afraid of feedback. Feedback. Even if it's hard to hear will only help you improve. And yeah, I mean, these whole roasts, these pitch roasts, are, they're funny. Of course, they're a little brutal at times. But I think the thing that's really important that you always need to ask yourself when you're pitching an idea is it's not a personal thing if someone doesn't like your idea. Your job as the entrepreneur is to create a clear, concise, and compelling narrative story to convince them, hey, is this something you're interested in? And you know what? The faster you can figure out if they're interested and not interested, the better off everyone is. Trust me when I tell you this. Really important to get that story right. So ask yourself questions like, if I'm not getting traction, is it my story? I might have to talk about it in a different way. What are the benefits of my solution? What are the features, functions? You know, sometimes people focus on the features and functions and not on, well, what's the benefit? Why do I care? What's the reason why I'm going to waste my hard-earned money time, precious time and resources to go look at your product. And you know what? It may be they don't need it. Well, you either didn't find the right customers or there's no market for it. So got to ask those tough questions. So there you have it, the actionable insights I learned from my interview with Steph. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits